0: The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the International Broadcast Specialist, Marketeers. Hello everyone and welcome to this Provoke Media podcast. My name is Arun Sudhaman, I'm Editor-in-Chief of Provoke Media. This podcast episode is titled Igniting the Industry, Making Change with Purpose, Um, and we are here uh, as you might imagine, to talk about the Young Changemakers program that we've been very happy to support and work on with We Communications. Um, and so I'd really like to start this uh, by asking our three speakers to introduce themselves. Um, and I would like to start perhaps uh, with Melissa wagner zorkin Melissa.
1: Thank you very much, Arun. It's a pleasure to talk about this, um, one of the topics that's most important really, I think, to us, but more importantly to our industry. Um, I'm a global CEO of We Communications, and I have the honor of uh, partnering with Provoke Media to actually be part of the inaugural and now the second year Young Changemakers. And I just have to say, this is Mubashir's Show for sure. We will learn a lot from her. We will feature the kinds of things that she really is thinking about. And so I'm really excited to to uh, hear from her.
0: Yes, I, I can only echo that excitement. So no pressure, Mubashira, but, but over <laughs> no pressure to you, at all. please.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Arin and, and Melissa, for that um, introduction. My name is Mubashira Faruqi. I'm based out of Toronto, Canada. And I'm currently a senior consultant at Fleischmann-Hillard High Road as part of our reputation and global diversity, equity and inclusion practices. Uh, I'm also the host of Color Me PR podcast, jumping on the podcast train here. Um, And that is where I interview women of color in the communications, media and uh, creative fields about their journeys, challenges and experiences uh, in the industries. I had the incredible honor last year of being one of the inaugural Young Changemakers, and I'm really excited to chat with you all about it today.
0: Thanks, Mabashua. And yes, it was actually our honor to recognize you, I feel, um, and we were so impressed actually by you know, the energy and uh, attitude and eloquence you brought um, to the Young Changemakers program. We will talk through... Some of the things we hope that the Young Changemakers program will accomplish um, and, and why that's so important. Why that's so important. Let's start there. Um, I wanted to ask you both why you think the Young Changemakers program is important and, and what you, you hope um, that it will accomplish, Melissa.
1: I'm actually going to start, if I could, Arun, with a question for Mubashira. Because I think that the main opportunity and also challenge here really is to bring more great thinking and not just diversity in representation, but diversity of ideas and the way we do things and challenge this industry and kind of turn everything upside down. So I would ask you, what would make you, and you already have a career in communications, crave, crave. Um, and bring some of your young friends into this industry in terms of a, a career that you would keep for a long, long time.
2: That is a heavy question that I bet a lot of young people aren't thinking through enough right now. But the fact is that communications is an industry that really holds so much power. As communicators, we are we are responsible for carrying and for sharing the messages between organizations and people between you and I and having that responsibility I think it's incredibly important for us to share our voices Um, you know the the younger generations Gen Z and, and Gen X now that are coming up everyone's talking about what we're thinking about what we're planning on doing but not enough people are asking us directly what we think about world about this industry. And I think the incredible thing about the Young Changemakers Award is that you've brought us to the table. Finally, someone's asked us to be part of this conversation. And we're happy to share, you know, a lot of us are happy to share what we're thinking, where we think this industry is headed, um, and what's really important to us. And honestly, it starts with diversity, equity and inclusion. And that's why I really respect the fact that this award is for young women of color, who are otherwise facing barriers and succeeding. And this is breaking down those barriers.
0: Very good question, Melissa, thank you. Um, and you know, it, it made me think Mubasha when when you mentioned that people are not listening enough to younger people in our industry and in particular um, younger people of color and people from underrepresented communities. Um, and so I wondered if maybe we could just um, you know, digress a little bit, I'm curious to hear, what do you think of the public relations industry as someone who's coming in um, from from a a group that is underrepresented in our industry, if we're being honest? Um, And how do you view it? And how do you see it in terms of accessibility?
2: So I think the one thing that really stands out to me as someone who's still relatively new to this industry is i think myself and my generation we're really turned off by the selling markety type of language we really want to see you know our our leaders and the organizations that we represent show us why show us their authenticity right if they're sharing that they're committed to sustainability or equity and inclusion or work life balance or any any of those things we want to be able to see that from organizations rather than in an ad um sorry everyone your question has slipped my mind do you mind if, uh do you mind asking again if that's okay
0: no it's it's absolutely fine it's yeah. it's a big question actually and it can be a tough one i think but because it's it's somewhat open ended mm-hmm. um but your answer is, is is actually a really good one. I, I was just curious to hear um, how how you see the industry um, as someone who's who's coming into it from an underrepresented group, um, and and in particular how you see, see it in terms of access um, for for people coming, you know, trying to to access this industry, and whether whether you think um, it's moving in the right direction, and whether you think it's it's perhaps moving quickly enough.
2: Absolutely. So in terms of access, I think right off the bat, there isn't enough representation in this industry. And and that's why I ended up launching the podcast that I did is because I felt like there wasn't enough representation of diverse perspectives and lived experiences. And those are critical Mm -hmm. for us as communicators and as leaders in the consultation that we provide to understand these diverse perspectives. And I just didn't, don't feel like we've seen enough of that. It's gotten a little bit better in, in the last couple of years as we've started. I'm in a, in a DEI consulting role as well, so I'm seeing things evolve pretty quickly. Um, but I think the one thing that our industry really lacks is that culture of openness, of welcoming different perspectives, and not just welcoming them, but creating the opportunities, the stage for those perspectives. Again, this uh, award, the Young Changemakers Award, is unlike anything else because you haven't just welcomed us to, you know, a podcast alone or you haven't just welcomed us to the summit. You've literally created a new stage for diverse young women to share their voices and their perspectives. So I think that's one of the things that we are slowly getting a little bit better at is creating these um, spotlights for young voices. But I think that needs to become the normal I'd love for us to get to the point where these types of awards or these recognitions aren't one, one, a few, or one of one in a million. This shouldn't be the diamond opportunity, the one opportunity. Um, this should be how we treat our young professionals across the industry.
1: Arun, if Listen. I could jump in yeah. one thing that do you mind just add, can I add something here? Um, Mubashira and I were talking and one of the things that stuck with me was how in, in a simple form, we talked about how if we're talking to the world, we're trying to make change in the world, we're trying to have the communications industry and the real power of it you know, rise to a bit of a higher order to really influence outcomes and impact. How can you do that if you don't have a representation of the world? And it was really Mm -hmm. simply put when she and i were talking about it that reflecting what the world is is something that the communications industry really needs to think more about and it's not just numbers although it is numbers person by Mm -hmm. person by person but it is the way we think the way we do things the way we come up with even the programs and the counsel that we provide and the way we treat one another and build our companies so i really love that when she and i were having our first conversation where we really talked about if you're speaking to the world, you should be speaking to the world with something that's reflective of what the world is made up of.
0: Um, how important is it to develop a program like this given um, some of the headwinds we see out there um, and and some of the narrative we see in the media, You know, there seems to be a rise of a kind of a anti-woke movement we're seeing um, suppression of education um, in certain places. Um, how much is that a driver here for the two of you?
1: Do you want to begin?
2: You can go first, Melissa.
1: <laughs> for it's incredibly important, Arun. You know, you know that I think that, but just talking about it doesn't really explain why I think that. I I, I think that because it, for me, it's a business imperative. There are many, many important aspects of having, obviously, a very diverse set of um, people who are, you know, making up the entire company. Um, but but I think from the standpoint of the way things are today, I go again to the higher order of, we're not understanding one another in this world today. We're We're not debating civilly. We're not talking with one another in ways that actually tries to respect a different point of view. And, and the world's mm-hmm. doing that in many, many different places. And so for me, it's not just about building a company with revenue and clients, it's, it's about thinking through what is a dire need that the world has right now, which sounds lofty, I know, but it's true. How do you get to understanding a different point of view and moving someone to think differently? You listen. You communicate, Mm -hmm. you use what we should be good at. So it's imperative. And to your point about anti-woke, and I know Diana just wrote an article on this, which I hope people will read around some of the research is indicating that not many companies really at the end of the day are backing off of ESG and and the component that's DEI within that. Um, Companies are going to stick to it. It's just a question of convincing some who aren't sticking to it, that it's a business imperative.
2: Yeah, I especially when it comes to the anti-woke piece, I think about for a lot of people that exist as part of an underrepresented group, or, you know, for me as a woman of color and a visibly Muslim woman, I've always had to deal with these challenges. There's there's no mm-hmm. break from it, right? Day in and day out, I am cha- being challenged by um, those who are unable to see my perspective or why it's truly valuable. Um, and at times it can be pretty exhausting. But the the, ma- the matter of the fact is that we have to keep pushing forward. And I think that's what I find really incredible about the younger generation is just how resilient we are and how unwilling we are to accept defeat or accept... Uh, an answer that isn't satisfying for us. Um, we're willing mm-hmm. to push forward and challenge um, perspectives that are different than ours as well. So I think we will always be ready to challenge those perspectives. We will always be ready to use our voices as a, a, a beacon of, of light and hope and and hope that others will hear us and and create more opportunities for us to share our voices. Um, so yeah. Mm.
0: Thank you. Well, thanks for that, and yeah, thanks for not um, not giving up. What what does it look like when you you both of you have talked about um, the importance of pushing forward, um, and I think sustaining the momentum. So, in the case of change makers, for example, um, you know, last year in the, in the program's first year, we recognised three people. Um, this year, I think the entries have just closed. We have. Um, uh, uh, many more entries, I'm happy to report. Um, I think we're going to announce the, the three winners on International Women's Day on March 8th. Mm-hmm. So we're all looking forward to that. But what does it look like when you talk about um, moving forward in terms of uh, trying to sustain the m- momentum and trying to build on what's already created? And I'm curious to hear that from a kind of a, an individual perspective. How do you, you yourself kind of um, bring these commitments to life? Uh, Melissa, let me start with you again, please.
1: I first want to say that while we're partnering a room with with Provoke mm-hmm. Media, that this is something that we not only welcome, we we just encourage in every single way every other participant possible. And um it, there's there's nothing about it that should be competitive, or I mean there mm-hmm. are many times when we should compete. Um, And then there are many times when we should not, and this is one of those, and I mean that, and it'll only show up in the doing, really, as we start to see a flavor across the industry of the applicants and the winners, um, and and it itself being very broad. So I I wanted to start with that, that this is not about my company. Um, It is about, and it's not really about yours either, you know, it's about everybody joining and and, and really making their face-by-face you know, a a much bigger group. With regards to our Mm -hmm. company, those setting goals, you know, we we certainly do have KPIs. but We certainly do have um, numbers that some we do well on, some we don't do well on. But the more important thing is, are we open to changing the the nature of what we provide to clients? Because we have these young voices on our teams. We have these young voices telling us even how to run a company, which is a question I actually asked one of our change makers. If you were me, what would you do differently? And so I think it's an improvement. And I look at it from our CEO as an individual, I look at it as making our company a better organization to work in and a a better place to be safe in and, and just a better, um, you know, citizen, if you will, of, of the world. Does that answer your question?
0: It does very much. And, and I couldn't agree more. It it really isn't about um, our companies. It's, it's far more uh, about, about the, the, the program and and the work that's being done. Uh, Mubashira, over to you.
2: Yeah, if if I can add to that actually, I I think it's a testament to the organizations that nominate their young people for the for this award because like I said earlier, you know, a lot of us young folks, we are we want to cut through the fluff and see what you're really about. And if you're nominating, if if you really want to show that you're an organization that values the voices and perspectives of its young diverse young professionals, then you'll create opportunities for them that go beyond yourself and your organization. You know, my my company, Hiller, they didn't get much out of me receiving this award beyond, you know, the the insights I got from, you know, attending the summit or from, you know, building my career a little bit further. But I could choose to leave tomorrow. And that that wouldn't uh benefit them in any way. But the fact is that they are on this mission to be one of the most inclusive agencies in the world. And part of that means showing up for your young people and championing them wherever you can. Um and so, you know, this only helps instill our trust in our organization when we know that you're you will support us in putting us forward for these opportunities because the doors that this opens for young people young people and especially um for myself, you know, I don't I come from, um, you know, I come from two immigrant parents who absolutely do not have the means to be able to send me to major industry events or to be able to facilitate the opportunities for me that I've been given through this award. And so this this literally does open new rooms and new spaces for young women like myself. And to know that my organization was the one that put me up for this opportunity and, brought, you know, allowed me to reach this point, um, it means a lot. And it Further strength that strengthens my commitment to them. So it's something that I hope that other leaders will think about. If you have a, an exceptional young person on your team who you love working with every day, you know that they change, you know, they are able to change perspectives, that they speak truth to you know every opportunity they approach those are the young people you want to nominate for these opportunities and who you want to show that you value them as a person above all else and you want to be an ally for further opportunities for them.
1: You see how incredibly well said that was.
0: Mm. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's so interesting because the answers both of you have given really speak to um, how important this is. You know at a kind of fundamental level and i sometimes think in this industry we you know like any industry i'm sure uh, you can get a little people can get a little distracted or focused on short term targets short-term goals uh, melissa you mentioned um you know you mentioned kpis i think earlier on in this discussion and i just wonder how that conversation fits into all this is this something you build KPIs around? Is this something that you are kind of measuring on a day-to-day basis? Um, Or do you feel like it's just something that's, you know, in a way has to be part of the DNA of how the industry operates?
1: Both, uh, Mm. and both in a very rigorous way. You know, I, I think that the goal, of course, is to make every decision through the lens of, are you doing it the right way? Not just to fall on the right side of history, but because again, face by face, person by person, you are open to those ideas, they are able to do their best work, because you've created a place where they can do their best work and that takes a long time, and that does then lead to the other piece, which is KPIs that year by year you examine, you're transparent with, um, and we mm-hmm. this industry has talked a lot about that in terms of what are the right numbers, what are the right ways to um, call accountability out. And what are the right ways for us to trade information on what's worked and not worked in a in a really non-competitive and non-threatening way, so that we're all working towards the right things? I mean, both in sustainability and in DEI, we have very firm DEI or DEI goals that go down to um, varying levels based on what each individual can do, and and we have a structure now that we're beginning to look at even from a of a you know compensation and bonusing uh, kind of thing where if our top leaders are not achieving these things You know, you measure it, you get it um, then they don't achieve the same level of uh, reward. And so mm-hmm. not every company is there yet. Um, and that's a difficult mm-hmm. one to do because you have to word it the right way and it has to be doable. But, but that's where KPIs kind of goes together hand in hand with the other piece, which is, you know, the bigger belonging, feeling right in an organization, having a safe place for people to really be who they are. Does that answer your question? From my perspective, yeah,
0: very, very much. I think it's it's such a, a good reminder of of you know that the incentives and the account accountability that are required, um, along with how important this is, just from a kind of fundamental value perspective. Mubashira, I'm curious to hear your thoughts uh, on this as well. How do you see um, accountability uh, in in the PR industry uh, in terms of its approach to DE&I um are you happy with what you've seen and do you think there are imp- there are improvements that can be made
2: truthfully I think the accountability when it comes to de goals and initiatives it's a little bit gatekept from the younger mm. more junior members of the organization um, and maybe not on purpose maybe it's just that um you know for a lot of organizations, their DEI goals are still pretty new and they're still sort of working out um, how to divide the responsibilities or what those goals look like within their leadership team. But I think it's really important to communicate that with the junior folks in your organization as well because they will be able to identify gaps for you um, that you may not have seen otherwise. They'll also be able mm-hmm. to contribute uh, a little bit more of that that real perspective based on lived experience. Um, I, you know, we, we trust our leaders. Of course they have a ton of experience, but at the same time they may be a little bit removed from the day-to-day impact of the de work. So really getting mm-hmm. their perspective from the get-go I think is, is really important. And also sharing, uh, sharing your strategy and your goals with the junior folks first also helps make you more accountable because Trust me, they will be asking you about it. They will be asking you a month later, where did we reach um, on our goal? For example, again, FH's goal to be the most inclusive agency in the world. We're asking our leaders daily, um, you know, how are we progressing towards this? What's changing to help achieve this? Um, so I think, mm-hmm. yeah, sharing, sharing that with your young folks really helps add to that accountability.
1: Mm-hmm. And in our company, there are some areas that we're not doing as well as we should be doing for sure. And our means has been to go in and and talk directly to every single person to your exact point as far as not just, you know, staying at a superficial level, but what really happened here. Where did it happen on the continuum? Was it on the onboard, the hiring, onboarding? Okay, managerial. Okay, promotion. Where was that really? And can you understand every piece of that? And we're not there yet, but that's the questioning, I think. Uh, Mubashira is telling all of us is that if you can get into that level of detail with people and and just be open and even if it feels bad which it can like oh today it was a bad day it's it's still you know what we must do.
0: Mubashira what's your advice for people that are entering change makers maybe they've entered maybe they win maybe they don't (laughs) win um but what's your advice to them in terms of how they can contribute and how they can make their voices heard? Because mm-hmm. it can be quite intimidating.
2: Absolutely. Well, to start off, I think everyone that applies is already winning. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but, but let me explain why. Uh, when I applied for the award, there there is an application process. You do have to complete, um, you know, share sort of a, a background of who you are, what you've done for me, that process of completing the application itself was almost therapeutic um, and also was sort of a moment for me to give myself the kudos that I hadn't really stopped and paused and taken the moment to do before that point. So for me, the moment I hit send on that application, I felt like I had already won. Like I had finally taken a moment to appreciate the work that I had done, the value that I bring to the table. and. You know, whether or not I actually received the award was a different story because, again, it was an opportunity for me to really, um, really understand and put myself first. So first off, if you applied, you're already winning because you just put together a phenomenal portfolio of the exceptional work that you're doing and why you're so great. And then my advice to, um, you know, change makers for anyone that's applied is it doesn't stop at this award. You know, whether or not you win, you use this portfolio to continue championing the work that you're doing yourself. You know, we look to our mentors and we look to our allies to really help uplift us. But a big portion of that responsibility and having your voice heard is it starts with you using your voice and sharing your voice. And so I think my advice to anyone applying for the award, considering it, and hopefully to our winners as well is let this be the starting point of the incredible things that you do going forward, of the rooms that you choose to enter and you know the the people that you engage with. This is this is really just the starting point and really soak that in. And again use that portfolio for every opportunity you get going forward. Tell people what you've done Um, why you're so great and sometimes you know eventually actually you won't even have to tell them they'll just be able to see it.
0: If I could just stay with you for just a second before I come to you again Melissa. Uh, Mubash, have you found um, that people are always in this industry they're always receptive enough to you know your thoughts and and your views in terms of, of well whether it's in terms of change or not do you think that there is um yeah, enough receptiveness.
2: So this is this is an interesting question, because I think when it comes to global conversations, there's definitely more openness to it. I'm really grateful that I work for a global organization. And, you know, I, I have the opportunity to engage with other global um, leaders on this subject. But I think when it comes to talking to people in your neighborhood or, or attending some of those like local communications events, it's it's a little bit tougher to get your voice out. So in those settings, what I find is it's really important for me to find ways to find a a, a bridge and a connection with others before I necessarily approach them or, or, or enter that room. I want to find what brings us together um, to be able to help initiate some of those relationships and conversations. And I find right off the bat, just telling someone, oh, I'm, you know, I'm from your alma mater, or, you know, I uh, work in the organization you started off in. It helps create those bridges from the beginning that help help others be a little bit more receptive to what you're coming to say. Um, And again, I am a visibly Muslim woman, so I can tell a lot of times when someone is hesitant to approach me or hesitant to enter a conversation with me. Um, But all I can do is sort of live by example and I smile a lot I think that really helps uh, people feel a bit more comfortable Um, but when it comes to like my professional sphere um, I think it's consistently showing people that um, I am open to learning and that I am open to having conversations especially when they're challenging or it's something that I don't understand Um, I think that encourages people to be a little bit more perceptive than to my point of view as well um I guess that kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier, Arun, about listening more. And Melissa, you mentioned this as well, starting off by listening.
0: Melissa, I wonder if I could flip the question um, to you. How, how, how do you, um, I, I think it can be intimidating as well um, for leaders uh, in this industry to, to, to listen and, and to accept sometimes new points of view. So how do you kind of, you know, advise your own uh, people and counsel your own uh, leadership um, when it comes to to helping them progress in terms of that kind of change.
1: Yes, this is a great question because it's one of those intrinsic values that organizations need—not uh, a pin on, you know, not an add-on. Where oh, well, let's give it to so and so. No, it's stopping and saying the way we've composed this team, have we been thoughtful? Does it represent in a very fair way, all the best that we can possibly bring? No, it does not. Okay, do we have it, what do we have? And, and so I think that the first thing is that the art of delegation is changing significantly where instead of saying, all right, so I have a you know accomplishment that I'd like all of you to accomplish. You basically say, this is where we want to go. We want this group. This group that represents all the good things that we think the client or or our own internal problem should be tackling, and then go do it rather than a leader who will say, well, it needs to look like this. And that's what success looks like. So that's the first thing is the way you set up project management, the way you delegate, the way you really say, hey, I'd like this done by you. What is your idea is a significant start. The next thing, though, is all managerial, and that's around managers who understand that success is not in just one frame and often organizations we're guilty of this sometimes too we define success the way we think it should because we just were successful and we were again and again and again and if we don't challenge that in terms of what should success look like so we can rebuild our system to output something different that looks different and success could look completely completely different then we're really not mixing it up we're really not changing and we're really not open at all and so for those of us who have been had some success um, i'm a work in progress um you know some i have some i haven't we have to challenge ourselves as ceos to say it doesn't need to look like that try something different and don't be afraid of the mistake of the risk and of the way you communicate about it and even reward It has to be a much different managerial approach as well.
0: So not necessarily easy, easy, but definitely doable from your perspective.
1: On a good day, it's natural. You know, on Mm. a good day, it comes out of you and you don't, you wouldn't even look back on the day and say, I did it and it's a some checked box on a good day, it would be our organization is highly Mm -hmm. functioning because people all feel like they can do their best work, but that's a long road. Um, We didn't get here as an industry overnight either. And so it is going to take one by one changes to understand, you know, how can we tackle this all along that continuum? But yes, it's doable. I am super Mm -hmm. optimistic. And how could we not be optimistic listening to, well, everything that you said, Mubashara is just so you know not only articulate but prescient about where our industry should go that gives me a huge yeah. optimism that it's doable
0: yeah I, I would agree with that um, so just a couple more things we might want to touch on before uh, we close the discussion um, are there any uh, specific areas where you see concrete change needed you know in terms of perhaps the educational systems um, that you know often serve uh, as a kind of launching pad for people into this industry to change. Do how um, how agencies, for example, look for young talent need to change at all? I'm curious to hear your views on on those kinds of issues. Um, and I, I don't know either of you can go first. Sure, I can. I
2: can kick it off. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, which is one of the topics at our last uh provoke summit in Washington, was time entry. I think it's the one thing all junior folks coming into the industry can can agree on uh, in the agency settings is it's it's not a good measure of um the work that we're doing and the quality of that work. Um, and that's something we probably struggle with a little bit. But um, I think also. I'm so sorry, Erin. Can you, can you share the question one more time?
0: No, no problem at all. I, I, I'm i curious to hear whether you think the um, the educational kind of systems, yes. you know, whether it's the four-year college degrees, um, whether it's graduate programs that, you know, develop people in our industry careers sometimes, um, whether those need to be rethought and whether kind of we need to be perhaps looking beyond some of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a couple of key areas that I think, uh, for myself at least, um, when I did my graduate certificate program in public relations and corporate communications, I think my favorite part of that program was the fact that we had a course called Storyworks, where we would engage with a with an actual client and put together a communications plan and execute on it uh, for an actual. Uh, an actual real life client and that was probably one of the best learning experiences for me as a student but I think where the gap is between the education and then entering the industry and working in the industry is the specific niche areas of expertise we're learning them too late in schools I think they need to speed up um, the Mm. the way that we update the curriculum um, based off of you know these aren't just industry trends these are really for example like you know, one of the courses that we had in college was data and analytics, which was really, really informative. But graduating out of the program, we're immediately talking about AI and now chat GPT mm-hmm. and all of these topics that are way beyond just the basics of data, data analysis. Right. Like this is um, something that I think, uh, at least speaking of Toronto and, and Canada, I think organize, our, our institutions can do a little bit better of preparing students um, for is tech, specifically and and I think Melissa you could speak uh, speak to that a lot better than I could probably um but also really preparing us for the mental resiliency it takes to succeed in this industry because yeah. as communicators we are constantly engaging with new learning with tough topics especially when it comes to DEI um you know as as an example when i first started um in the industry i was doing a lot of those basic beginner responsibilities right media monitoring preparing daily reports um and right at the right at the start of my career um you may have heard in toronto there was an incident with the muslim family being run over by by a van um and basically being murdered uh and i was in the role where I was having to read the news cycle every day and prepare a report on what's happening and reading these details. And, and it became really difficult to engage with that work. And it was hard for me at that stage of my career to share with my, my leaders to no fault of their own at the time, but because there was sort of this, this uh, pressure that I had to succeed no matter what I had to do this work, no matter what, there was no concept of you have the option to say, this is too much for me to handle at this point in time. And, you know, uh, especially when you're trying to build that that really great reputation for yourself, you don't want to immediately say, this is something I can't do. So I think in, in college and university, there's that expectation that when you get to the workplace, you follow what they say, you take, you know, you never say no to the work, you you get right to work, you start at, you know, 6am in the morning, and you don't worry about working past, you know, 8pm at night. So I think preparing students for, one, how challenging communications work can be at times, but also informing them of where they can draw those lines and create boundaries for themselves to protect their peace. And Mm. I think, again, with the younger generations and Gen Z, we really like to protect our peace. We really value work-life balance. And I I think our, our industry is starting to do a little bit better with that through the pandemic and working from home has created a little bit more balance for us. But I think um, our organizations can definitely do a lot better in that area. That was a mm-hmm. lot at once.
0: <laughs> That's a very insightful answer. Melissa.
1: I I love that last piece, which I'll swing off of in terms of mental health and and truly understanding that if you're centered, you're going to give a lot better um, you know, centered advice to those around you and you're also going to show up your team in a much more centered way. And I do think you're exactly right that our industry is go, go all the time. And I think the um and I'm not going to say it's just the pandemic. I'm going to say that over actually even before that, we decided to take a different turn towards what does a life really look like and what should we really be thinking about for people and what should this workplace provide in different ways and unique ways through everything from benefits to the way our managers are trained. So the mental health and resiliency is a key piece of it. And I do think there's training that the education system can insert into their curricula that will really help. But I will start by saying to your educational piece that I don't think I'll ever be satisfied with the education in this country. Um, and, and, And I do hope I'm wrong about that. But I think that I don't understand, like in our industry, why we need four years, what's wrong with two years, I I don't understand why, you know, pay parity can't come earlier. Um, I think there's just these basic fundamental things that we need to reexamine and say, does it really take that to get into this industry? Or can someone just understand critical thinking, business analysis and problems, when does that come in? What's common sense about this? How do you tell speak truth to power? So there's there's these different categories which some of the organizations and HBCs and some of the um, schools are beginning to teach in new and different ways that I think would be much easier for them people to assimilate into our industry. So when I started by saying how do you make a young person crave coming into this industry, it's you teach them that they can make a difference and they can have some fun and they can have a life and they can learn things along the way. And I don't know that we're set up for success quite yet. You get them, inv- and, and I thought you made a great point there on tech adjacencies. There are so many technology adjacencies now. Um, and, And AI is a huge one, you know, all the conversation about what will be displaced, what will be, you know, done in a different way. What about creativity? Those are excellent questions that young people should be able to debate and think about and be part of. And our, our educational system needs to realize the changing nature of that technology disruption on the communications industry and go somewhere with that in the curriculum.
2: Wow, the one thing I feel I'll, like,
0: uh, sorry, go ahead. Right, Ryan.
2: I was just going to say the one thing I, I have seen change a little bit is um, some of these educational institutions are now inviting uh, alumni, recent alumni to, you know, help evaluate and update the curriculum a little bit. So we are beginning to get to these, uh, you know, updates a little bit faster. But yeah, again, it all comes down to just invite us to the table. We're happy to share We'll bring some snacks. You know, we can do this.
0: <laughs> I think it's it's so it's encouraging to hear both of you question some of these conventions, some of these orthodoxies that I think are taken for granted. And I think that is perhaps the biggest benefit of programs like uh, Young Change Makers, um, because I, I think you know that there is no progress unless we kind of have this this mindset of constantly questioning everything. Um, otherwise I think, you know, change doesn't happen. Um, so I'm really glad to hear from both of you today. I'm a little conscious about time. I think we're, we've already, um, I, I feel like we could keep going. There's quite a lot more we can discuss. This is such a huge topic. Um, maybe we should do another episode, uh, at some point. Um, uh, but I'll leave it there for now. Um, and I want to thank both of you, uh, Mubashira and Melissa. Um, I'm sure I'll see you both in person at some point this year. Um, but thank you both for your for your thoughts um, and and for your wisdom. Uh, and and we are very glad, like I said, to continue uh, supporting this work.
1: And I'd thank say right back at you for for seeing the opportunity and for really being, uh, you know, a big sponsor of this. It's it's just so, um, op- I'm so optimistic. Thank you for doing that, Arun.
2: Thank you so much, uh, Melissa and Arun for this opportunity. I'm so excited for the next uh, cohort of Young Changemakers to meet you and um, I'm excited to meet them as well.
0: Indeed. Okay, thanks everyone and take care. Thank you. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.